0: Hi, and welcome to Carbon Podcast, episode 417. I am your host, Chris Truscott-Brown, very tired, uh, and joining me is this guy. Hello, Christopher. Oh, no.
1: You set this up yourself, you know that, don't you? You always have to say the name of your co-host, otherwise I show up.
0: I'm really not doing a good voice this week, but here we are. I was going to say, you're usually better at that one. I think at this point you have to identify yourself because nobody will know what that is.
1: Yeah, that was me trying to do L. Ron Hubbard again. That's that's Peter trying to do L. Ron Hubbard again. I I was not planning to do that this week. I had nothing prepared. Uh, I'm not as tired as you are, I imagine, but I am a bit tired, so that probably isn't helping. So this will be the Tired Podcast.
0: Yeah. I will probably Muppet. I've just come to accept that as a part of my life. I'm just imagining that on Tinder profile, probably Muppet. (laughs) I mean, like nine podcasts out of ten, I do have a hand up my ass. I don't know if you know Mm. this, but, you know, it's a thing.
1: That is nature's pocket, so, you know.
0: Good old flesh
1: pocket. I still love that joke from Futurama. That's, that that and the follow-up, he better not be picking your pocket.
0: I don't remember that one, but I think one of my favorite Futurama jokes is so stupid, but it goes between two. Uh, the, the one where they're at the racetrack and so everything is just horse-related, like, I'd like a horse burger, horse fries, and horse coke. Uh, we don't have horse coke. We only have horse Pepsi. Will that do? Nay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like that's a good one. That's a good one. And also, um, I think it was in one of the movies. Uh, but Bender bending a wooden door, cause it, it, Fry says like you can't bend wood. He says, look, you know that, and I know that. But I'm willing to bet this door doesn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good show. Honestly, uh, yeah. when it first came out, I was, like, full-on Simpsons fan. And I was like, what is this nonsense, like, Simpsons... Not rip-off because it was the same guy, but knock-off, I guess? I don't know, but, like, what is this Simpsons wannabe, like, double cash-in garbage... But then, uh, honestly, it very quickly surpassed The Simpsons by a lot. Futurama is so much a better show, in my opinion. And I never did... In terms did... of narr- further narrative, probably.
1: Because it may... like. But there's a lot of episodes of The Simpsons that still have a strong emotional beat, I'd argue. that.
0: Yeah, that's true. Uh, I've just... I've moved a lot away from Simpsons as I got older... And I never tried Disenchanted, um, but I've just not really ever been interested. <laughs> I don't know if it's good. It's got a few good jokes. Yeah. It's got a few good jokes. One of my favorites is
1: the kind of play with the whole, you know, knight asking for a reward thing and I love uh John because John DiMaggio plays the king. Oh. And so he's not quite doing the bender voice, but like, you know, it's bender esque and so I try to imagine that as as this exchange happens. Where the where the king starts to send the knight off to do a thing, and the knight's like, ah, uh, and like he kind of makes a move towards the princess, but what reward shall I receive for this duty? And and then the king is just like, the money I pay you Yeah. <laughs> you know, just like, oh F, uh, like, you know, I I'm sure that was one of the I jokes they think... kinda built the show around.
0: I think Um obviously Gears of War, uh Marcus Phoenix is a voice I think Bender and then whatever the dog's name in Adventure Time is kind of just Jake. John DiMaggio. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't think he's really doing a voice there. I think that's just him.
1: <laughs> I mean, even
0: even Marcus Phoenix, you can really hear the John DiMaggio. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: He's a good just, voice yeah. actor.
0: And I'm glad they got him back on board. Uh, there was... I, I don't remember if we talked about this or not, but there were... Um, like contract disputes and he was the last holdout because they are bringing Futurama back and they do have him back on board now, which is great Mm -hmm. because I, I, I mean, I don't know. They might find somebody, but immediately replacing Bender voice actor. I'm just like, no, 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 you just can't. Like, don't you dare. (laughs) I mean,
1: voice actors are so underappreciated. I mean, I
0: mean it's one of those things. Oh, yeah. Uh by the way, theme song. <laughs> anyway, with that out of the way, underappreciated Mostly, yes, not by me. Being Hmm. just a fan of voice actors, following voice actors, and actually speaking of John DiMaggio, I love the documentary he did. Uh, Like, hey, I know that voice. That was him that did that one, right? But it was just all into the world of voice actors. But once you start to notice and recognize the heavy hitters, following voice actors is fun. And then as a fan of Critical Role, big, big fan of those voice actors as well. And actually, yeah. I, I got to mention, I think you're probably either. I, I don't mean you, Peter. I mean, just the, the Royal you. <laughs> um, I think you're either already a fan or just uninterested, but Critical Role just recently did uh, a four-part miniseries called, uh, like, they have a side series of EXU, Exandria Unlimited, and it's sort of side stories in the world of the main campaign, of which now they're Mm -hmm. in their third campaign. But the premise of this world has always been built upon a rebuilt society after a Calamity. Because the bad gods fought the good gods. And uh, basically the world got destroyed in the aftermath. And so there was always this just part of the history. The new world being built upon the broken one. Referred to as the Calamity. And so they did a four part miniseries. EXU Calamity. And so the whole premise was, this ain't going to be a happy ending. This is also something else I wanted to talk about, uh, the Obi-Wan series. It's the same kind of thing. It's like, we know the ending. There are certain things we just, we know for a fact, because they're not just going to break canon. Uh, Except they did anyway, Uh, we'll get into that later. (laughs) Um, But for the most part, it's like, there's never, I wonder if so-and-so is going to live or die you mm-hmm. kind of know already and so this four part which was very long by the way it's four parts but like each one of those four is i think at least 3 hours so it's a lot but it it the idea is we know the ending it's called calamity guess how it's <laughs> going to end <laughs> but it's mm. the story along the way And, if anybody listening hasn't really, like, has been sort of intrigued by Critical Role, but has not really gotten into it, I think you should. But also, this four-part Calamity midi-series is probably some of the best content they have ever put out. It's... It's so freaking good. And I know I've talked about Critical Role before. I know most people have heard about Critical Role. I'm not spreading news about this company and this team. But I want to spread awareness. Specifically Calamity. That, like, I was not emotionally ready for how good that is. Like obviously spoiler free, but during the last episode, certain things happen and I'm listening to the podcast version as I'm driving to work. And suddenly it's like, did I leave the sunroof open in the rain? Cause I'm having a hard time seeing like, just starting to like get misty eyed and weepy while you're driving. It's like, no, I need to see, I can't, I can't handle this, but it's like, boy, I all the feels in that one. So, Which is highly an interesting recommend. thing to say, but there
1: you go. Sorry, it's just of all the things to get
0: that emotionally invested in a D and D campaign, but there you go. It, I mean, that might not be for everyone, but you know, yeah. I'm here for the journey. <laughs> no, I know. I mean, hey, it's fine saying,
1: Some people might find that surprising, but it's fine. Perfectly acceptable. It's art, and we will hear no arguments. Yeah. So,
0: given that it kind of came up... Yeah. Should we get into that? Yeah. And do we want to kind of dance around things, or should we just straight up drop the, like... Hey, just, it's spoilers. Don't listen if you don't want to. Like, what's your thought on spoilers? I want to leave it up to you.
1: I mean, the thing with me on this is, okay, so we're talking about the Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, six-episode series. Aside from, like, two or three things, I don't feel there's much you can spoil. I mean, because the big spoiler is just going to be the premise
0: alone. Cause yeah, and we I, I, and I have on this podcast already talked about uh, the fact that the twist that they pulled was that it's a Leia story, not a Luke story, but yeah. that's, like, episode
1: one, so... That's, that's episode one, like, that's the biggest thing, is, and you still get Luke in there, and I mean, yep. the other big twist is most of it isn't on Tatooine, which, yep. considering the miniseries we've gotten so far, is also shocking.
0: Yeah, I, um... I I can't even remember when, but years ago on this very podcast, back when, like, the actual talking about there will be a show about Obi-Wan one day versus, oh, hey, we actually, like, have a show now. Like, this was talked about way back when The Mandalorian first started. Oh, even, it was. It, like, it started in 2013. Yeah, and and the whole thing was like, how can a show be interesting about like a, a old man in a desert? And right from the start, it's. I, I mean, I am. I'm not a brilliant, uh, like storyteller or story writer. This was the only obvious way it could go, but right from the start, I was saying, well, he's not going to be a hermit on Tatooine. Obviously, he's going to try to lay low. Shit's going to go down. He's going to be compelled to go off and fix some shit. And then once he fixes the shit, then he'll go back into isolation on Tatooine. hmm and that is literally exactly what happened. And again, I'm I'm not brilliant for predicting that, but it's just like that's no. about the only way that show can go. Is you I mean no, because if interrupt- anything
1: more would break continuity more than they're already breaking continuity,
0: which is what I want to get into.
1: Yeah, I figured you did. And I mean, okay, I want to pre- preface this. I'm not going to give away all my opinions because I do want to save some for the Pop Tower. Uh, but I'm I'm still so I'm going to be more encouraging you. But, I do, like, this Is won't be a shock, because I'll say this in, like, the first five seconds of that episode when we talk about it, too, is I don't think this show justified it its own existence. Which was the I... big thing it had to do. Yeah. So I don't think it was necessarily bad, but because it didn't justify its own existence, I, I'm kind of left feeling like, well, that was a waste of time.
0: I thought that about the first three. So, overall ultimately does anything entertainment-wise justify its own existence and i know that's like a whole other thing cuz the answer is absolutely yes but it's like mm-hmm. if just not hugely but going back to something we already know the end of the critical role thing does that mean the whole mm. thing didn't matter no it's no oh, no of course it's how you got there not the end results and so for example rogue one You know how Mm -hmm. that's going to end, but boy, that was a fun ride. And actually, that was a much better product than the Obi-Wan show, to be fair. Yeah, it it did a much better job with a
1: foregone conclusion than I think Obi-Wan did.
0: (laughs) Yes, Um, but ultimately, even you you can file that under not just the Star Wars prequel trilogy, but literally every prequel. It's like, it's not shocking when little Annie becomes Darth Vader and starts murdering children it's him by his how, full name little orphan Annie yes um it's how you get there and so I do think Obi-Wan redeemed itself in that it, it weirdly it fixed I I guess I'm giving it points because it's fixing mainly problems that it caused in the first place. Like Like go on. I th- I think I know where you're going with this. Go on. So at this point, yes. We are spoiling. At that that first fight in that show, between Obi Wan and Darth Vader, absolutely makes the conversation in A New Hope of like last time we met. You were the master, and now I am, or like, I, I, or as I was but a learner. Now I am the master. Yeah, exactly. But then when you make the last time they met. <laughs> somebody literally getting uh, a schoolyard bully face in the snow, except it's fire, and, like, just a complete humiliation and, honestly, a bullshit escape. Obi-Wan should have died there. Um, Yeah. But that was part of the first three episodes that I didn't care for. I think the last three episodes redeemed the show for me, but because you give them a confrontation where Obi-Wan... Re- reclaims and rekindles his strength and passion and wrecks the shit out of Darth Vader uh, you you get you get that working again but yes that solved the problem what problem did it solve its own problem it only solved the <laughs> problem it created the thing the number one thing that bugs me is immediately everybody was like, wait a second, uh, like, why, if they had this huge adventure together, why does Leia reference, oh yeah, I've heard about you because you served my father in the Clone Wars, uh, and not been like, hey yo, we went through some shit together, And, like, why is Obi-Wan or Ben a stranger in A New Hope if they have had all this together? And that was a problem since episode one uh, of Obi-Wan, not episode one of Star Wars. Um, Mm -hmm. But the fix for that is still that that's probably the least satisfying like they're aware of this problem with continuity now and yep they're that's how we get season two <laughs> no they're if they fixed... introduced a new continuity problem they have to fix well no because they did ham try to fix it in like a tiny little scene <laughs> in The last episode, uh, like basically, um, spoilers everybody lives and Leia gets returned to her parents because we knew this. Um, so it's not even a spoiler to say that. Wait, she's not an android
1: duplicate of the real Leia because the real Leia died.
0: (laughs) I actually had a much better, uh, fan theory which didn't pan out on why leia didn't know obi-wan but i'll get to that in a second uh but in their conversation at the end of like hey aren't we glad all that went well and uh you're alive and i'm alive and everyone's great but in that conversation leia says will i ever see you again and he says maybe one day when you need uh, the help of a tired old man but we're we're going to have to be careful about it and not let on that I have helped you before. Like, what he's alluding to is you can't really reveal that you know a Jedi Knight who is an outlaw and illegal. And so we're going to have to be careful about it. And so <laughs> what they're trying to say is when Leia said... Well, like, she alluded to you served my father in the Clone Wars. Uh, uh, she was just... That was like... They're turning that into a nudge wink? And it's like... No... What's you your can... name, son?
1: Han Solo. Yeah, it's like... It's that level of cringe, more Yes, or less. that still is think so cringey. The Solo is still worse for
0: me, but, yeah. like... That... Oh, but, God. But here's... With... With that, I know this is going backwards and you literally can't rewrite the first movies. I mean, Lucas would probably try with his track record, but thankfully he's not yeah. allowed to anymore. Um, But just for a second, if we're accepting that that is the reason they're doing that, just for a second picture, in A New Hope, the hologram message that R2-D2 is carrying is... General Kenobi. Years ago, you came to me in my time of need. I am afraid that once more I must call upon your aid, or something to that effect. Just in your head cannon, let's make that the me- message. You came to me in my time of need, and I mu- must once more ask your aid. Tell me what changes nothing like so if we can go backwards and reverse the past and it still works then the motivation doesn't make any sense and it's a horrible ham-fisted way of trying to fix continuity that they did straight up break and their fix is unacceptable
1: or he could just be ben the whole time and not reveal he's obi-wan kenobi uh, even then. It's still forced, but I mean, the whole him meeting Leia, as cool of a twist as it seems, uh, first of all, leads to one of the most abysmal shots in the entire well, sequences in the entire series. Which. Which, in-
0: which is. The, which the child
1: one? kidnapping? How incredibly pathetic it is?
0: Uh, I mean, Flea and his gang of cronies can't catch, uh, <laughs> like a small child. They can't even, like, break into a brisk
1: jog because that's all it would take to catch her. But, I mean, there's so many problems with – I don't know if it's the direction or – That's why the first
0: few – like, honestly, I was barely going to watch episode four. And episode four (laughs) is actually the one where I was like, I might just keep going. I might as well finish. But I was almost going to bail after three because it (laughs) was just bad. But you know where I thought they were going? Mm. When Riva actually caught Leia this was before her twist so when you think she's still a bad guy I I was kind of thinking and this would have made so much more sense I was thinking she wants to turn her She's going to show her who, like, through holograms and footage, she's going to show her who her mother and father are. And eventually, yes, Obi-Wan will rescue her, but that knowledge is too dangerous for a child to have. He is going to have to force wipe her mind, and you know what that gives you? That a gives reason you why she doesn't remember him. A reason she doesn't remember him, and a reason mm. why she does remember her mother. She remembers her mother in Return of the Jedi from the footage she saw of Padme. Like that would have actually been really good because that would have solved actually a canon breaking or at least a problematic issue that came up. From the prequel trilogy. It's like, at the end of episode three, you're just like, okay, so you're saying Leia has vivid memories of somebody that died, like, four seconds after she was born? Not impossible. It's happened. People do actually have birth memories, but it's not common, and Uh it's, like, this would have been a perfect way to resolve that continuity problem, but instead they just ham-fisted a, like, well, let's just pretend we don't know each other next time we talk. Nudge Yeah. It's like, way worse. It's, I'm, but, okay, it's I, I, so I, I'm, lazy.
1: <laughs> there's a couple of complaints, I'm like I said, are probably going to save for the other podcast to get into. Uh, What did you think was more disappointing, though? How they couldn't figure out how to get past that laser fence? Or... The initial confrontation with how boring Obi-Wan's reaction was. You
0: know what? That infamous shot of him
1: starting to run away.
0: Yeah. You know what also really bugged me? Because it just didn't fit at all. The painful fan servicing. Hello there. Yep. It's like, it's, we didn't need that. It was it was unnecessary the first time. Like, Alec Guinness's yeah. Obi-Wan Kenobi, the first time he sees R2-D2, says, hello there. That works. Thanks. So, uh, this was Lucas-run Star Wars, which, by this point, was already tanking. Like, while well, we're trying to, uh, like, after... The first one. No, no. We're trying to. You have angle... to say it like him. It's it, every everything rhymes.
1: It's like it's poetry. Everything, everything, every line rhymes with the last. It's perfect.
0: He, he yeah. That's my Lucas. It's not very good either, but I it's, I, I think no, the but inflection. You're right. Um, but it's like while we're trying to in episode two and especially three, and actually I think now that he is the appropriate age, I think. Ewan McGregor, other than the horrible hello there, actually is finally starting to become an Obi-Wan that we can see becoming the Alec Guinness Obi-Wan, sort of. But they decided, well, let's give him a line that Alec Guinness said. And so the like, to General Grievous, the Force, like... Hello there. It was obviously so bad that it became a meme. Because everyone knows that's so ridiculous that forced hello there. So you know what we do with a bad meme? Uh, however many years later, let's triple down on that. And now let's reference it not because it's an L.A. Guinness line, but because it's a meme Let's put meme references into our Star Wars. That'll be fun. <sighs> yeah. It's like when
1: they Frank Miller found out that uh, the goddamn Batman was a popular thing. We never should have told him.
0: Nope. Because he put it in uh,
1: how many more times? Way too many. Asbar is terrible. Sorry, uh, all-star Batman and Robin, Asbar, which, you know, I like to emphasize the first part of that more. It's such a weird effing series. I never... There's a new one now that was done by um, the guy who did Dark Knight's Metal. That was also weird. Although, I, I still prefer it to what Frank Miller did, because it was just... Now we're getting off track. As much as we're railing on Disney for, you know, the show not really needing to exist. I mean, it was supposed to be a movie. That was the original plan. Yeah. And I feel like... Oh. I feel like. Uh, Obi-Wan not being as powerful was to try to give him an arc for the course of the series cuz that didn't need to be there if it was a movie
0: especially. Yeah. Overall, I do have to say hated the first half. Overall liked the second half. Obviously have issues with it. I think I probably lean towards enjoyed it more, but I do agree i would have been perfectly happy if it wasn't there uh but there were there were several cool things that did occur and the last episode actually i really liked that last duel between mm. obi-wan and darth vader like where he found his strength again and kicked vader's ass like I liked seeing, because, I mean, technically, in Episode 3, it was Obi-Wan versus Darth Vader. But at that point, Darth Vader just looked exactly like Anakin. The Darth Vader that we know is obviously the one in the armor. Uh, And we have not yet seen Obi-Wan not only hold his own, but still, like fight for the victory but ultimately just destroy him like it was basically the uh after the victory they like no that that victory was bullshit rematch bro and they like okay fucking rematch look yep i kicked your ass again like learn your place yep. and sit down in it like that was cool to see him win a second time.
1: I have a segue for the final thing we're going to talk about in this episode. By but all I means. To, I, uh, but before I segue, I, I do need to call out, I thought it was a better fight than the one in episode 3. I don't think
0: that's yeah. enough to justify the series existing. But that was but one I... of the honestly best lightsaber fights alongside Duel of the Fates. It was really good. Yeah. I would also yeah, yeah. put the uh, the Emperor's Throne Room up there. Like, Well, the Emperor's Throne Room is still my favorite. Um, and it's because really of how much good. is going on, and, and Can- like the Empire one is okay. The New Hope one is just pathetic. well. I mean, it's
1: it's a guy who can't see fighting an old man.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: I and- mean, I mean, and Lucas's original explanation for that obviously didn't translate well to film, and I'm kind of glad he didn't stick with that because ultimately it wasn't conveyed in the films. But his initial conception behind that was. That the physical fight was supposed to just be happening on one plane, and we weren't seeing a greater mental battle that was playing between them. But because ex- the films were ex- so non-visual about the force, yes, you know it's hard to it's hard to convey that. So I appreciate the the uh, and yeah. he said that before it was filmed. <laughs> so I want to yeah. be clear about that. <laughs> he,
0: that's not him retconning that. <laughs> well, it's a retcon in that he he saw how that played out and he's like, Oh boy, I'm going to have to have an answer. No, no, no. He he said that before they even filmed the scenes, Ah. like
1: during the script writing phase. That was, that was okay. This was always the kind of a thing.
0: Yeah. But actually now that you mention that, I think that's what was so good about this lightsaber fight is like easily 50% of this fight wasn't with the lightsabers. Like, there was so much, like, sometimes you block or parry with the saber, sometimes you just, like, push the saber away with the force, and it was a very, like, intricate mix of actual sabering versus force using. Hmm.
1: That's one of the things that I think worked, is they really thought about using the force behind just having lightsaber fights, because that was a problem in, like, we saw a bit of that in, like, the Darth Maul fight. And, and of course, we saw that was the heavy focus in the Emperor fight with Yoda, right?
0: Oh, I hated that lightsaber fight. I didn't really care for the uh, Obi-Wan and Dooku one, because a lot of it was just, like... It was just, like, close-ups on the face with the lights just moving around, like they're not actually (laughs) even fighting. But I think... Honestly, I couldn't be bothered to try to think of which is my favorite. I'm just going to give a top 3 in no order. Uh, but Jedi, Duel of the Fates, and this one are probably top 3 in whatever order. I'm just not even going to count anything uh sequels. <laughs> I still I still think I have to give it
1: to Duel of the Fates over this one and I I always keep the Empire one because of how much it was clear Vader was toying with Luke. Yeah. Like it much. It's much better conveyed the power dynamic in that fight than um, obviously the one in New Hope did. And of course, you really even if it wasn't fully again fully translated into screen, you could really feel the mental struggle with the use of shadow and everything. Yeah. In the Wonder Jedi Empire
0: which is what yeah. really good. Mm. No, I don't think there's any together.
1: I, I don't have any qualms with you saying this one's better than no, that. No, but
0: together, actually, I'm just. Thinking about what made me love, like, the original trilogy is just, it. it's why I love all of the rest of this, is because of that foundation. And the mix between the fight in Empire and the fight in Jedi, mm-hmm. that in itself, even with all the other details out of the way, like, those two side to side is great storytelling. Like, the difference of, Mm. like, just Vader toying with him. And then, like, through the course of the fight in Jedi, Vader's like, oh, this again. I, oh, wait, oh, wait, oh, shit. Like, (laughs) oh, buddy's learned something. Yep. And that's pretty great. because he's still cocky early on.
1: Yep. Especially because Luke doesn't want to fight him, and so he's constantly trying to goad him. And, like, it's... There's a, And, of course, the Emperor being there standing between them. You know, of course, symbolism. Not very subtle, but it works.
0: <laughs> man, I it's been a while. I kind of feel like I want to watch those original ones again.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, because, like, I, let,
0: I, I, I really like Return of the
1: Jedi, but there's some stuff in there that's just like, oh, man. Cause, but, like, ev- almost everything in the throne room is so good. And the final battle in general, space battle... Uh, Is really good. And then, even the Ewok battle, while not great, still has some fun moments that even if I you don't
0: hate the Ewoks. Suck up the Ewoks. <laughs> I, I do admit, uh, Nostalgia's helping me a lot about the Ewoks because I did see Return of the Jedi at a young enough age that I didn't realize how fucking dumb that <laughs> whole thing was. So.
1: Yeah. Um, I know, no. Kids probably don't care about it as much as, like, older audiences do, which is the big dichotomy. Because, like, almost everyone will enjoy the space battles, right, in in all three movies. And I think all three stand up for all ages. I think the only thing that might disappoint kids is that they lose an
0: empire. <laughs> yeah, kids are used to, like, everything's always great all the time. Yep. When, it's when you get older, you understand a three-act narrative. You've got to have a beginning, a downer, and then a recovery. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Well, plus... Sorry, go ahead. No, I I, I want to hear what you I were going to say.
1: I was going to say Empire is also interesting because it starts with the epic battle before going into the personal stories. Whereas the personal yeah. stories leads into an adventure, which leads into an epic battle was the formula of A New Hope and is kind of what happens in Return of the Jedi, but then they still have the personal story as well because that diverts, right? But because it doesn't flow as well, it can feel awkward. It's a whole thing.
0: I just had a thought. Hmm? Do you think in A New Hope, headbunk guy is actually the last stormtrooper on the entire Death Star that's still a jango clone and he's just old and senile and he couldn't see that'd be good i like (laughs) to think that i think he's the last jango clone and he's just a fucking old man but i want to throw back to the segue i walked away from
1: which was so now thanks to this show obi-wan and um anakin have had three duels and anakin won the rubber match which is the even though technically it's not a rubber match because normally they're tied one apiece and then the third the rubber match is the one that uh, they get a definitive victory on. You know what that you know what that comes from? Professional wrestling.
0: I want to follow that segue. Mm-hmm. But you're wrong. Calm down. It's boxing, isn't it? No. Th- four duels. What duel am I forgetting? Uh well, Obi Wan one episode three. Oh right, there's two episodes. Right the series because it's the, the series. series. Fuck had that two- series. Yep. Okay, no, I was wrong. The series sucks. But uh,
1: but we're talking about they can't have four now. fights. It's bullshit.
0: Well, technically, uh, that series had three duels because there's the Obi Wan Darth Vader. Then there's the flashback, uh, Obi Wan and Padawan, and then there's the final one. So there's. Three, four, there's five total.
1: I take it back. The
0: series sucks. All
1: right, let's talk about something I care about. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Because wrestling has never uh, messed with its own continuity. Oh, man. You
1: were going to, you were going to, this is going to be. So, officially, I've invited Chris and his lovely wife over to watch wrestling um, with me on Sunday. Um,. Jesse's invited to an as or a couple others, but I don't know how many people have actually committed yet, so it might just be you and Jamie. We don't have to bleep her name, right?
0: We've said her name before no. on the podcast. Yeah. I usually—I I don't hide her name. I usually just—I don't expect people to just know when I say the name Jamie to know that I'm talking about mm. my wife. So I do refer to her as my wife instead of Jamie, but yes, Jamie is my wife. Carry on.
1: So— Yeah, this is kind of the culmination of me constantly talking about wrestling.
0: (laughs) I'm actually going to watch a wrestling pay-per-view for the first time. And I'll stay awake for most of it, probably. Yep. Yeah, you might miss the main event. Uh, We'll see what
1: happens. So the event is AEW cross New Japan Pro Wrestling Forbidden Door. Um, So to quickly explain this as best I can, AEW I've talked about before, that's All Elite Wrestling. Which was kind of... (laughs) made from the, the 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 sort of... Some members of the New Japan Pro Wrestling roster, notably Kenny Omega, The Young Bucks, Cody Rhodes, Hangman Adam Page. They were a part of a group called The Elite, which were a sub-faction of the wrestling stable, The Bullet Club. The Bullet Club, in
0: simple terms, were uh, foreigner, evil foreigners. So, they cheated all the um, time. I just want to clarify... You're mm-hmm. talking about the formation of the AEW, and yep. what this is going to say right now is reveal which one of us screwed up, because I think you accidentally said New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, no, no. But They it's... came from New Japan Pro Wrestling to form AEW. They
1: came from Japan? Sort of, yeah. Like, I that thought that they was came what, like, from- That was one of the places they WWE. called WWE. No. Oh. Well Cody Rhodes did but it, like he left WWE in 2016 and and joined uh Ring of Honor as well as New Japan Pro Wrestling.
0: Okay, I was trying to correct you cuz I thought you said the wrong thing. No, I no, didn't, no. I this didn't is all know correct. All of these AEW guys came from the Japanese wrestling. That's Well, this is one of
1: the reasons I'm telling the story. <laughs> so, because what's important is they came from there and then they recruited a bunch of the best uh independent talents they could find uh as well as Chris Jericho. Who, of course, was very famous for being in WWE for a long time and WCW <laughs> before that. Um, and they, yeah, and they got financial backing from Tony Khan, who owns the Jacksonville Jaguars. Cool. Just so when I mentioned Tony Khan, you know who that is. They should um,
0: probably, if if he, I believe that's a football team, right? Yeah, they should try to make a wrestling based football club. I think that would work out really well. I'd probably be successful. You're, you're just talking about the XFL. Uh, yes, I'm being sarcastic. All right, but I'm boy, trying that to keep us on topic. Cause, it.
1: Chris, I have a lot to get into in the last half hour, and I don't want you to go full tired Muppet. I'm tired, but carry yeah. on. So that's how All Elite Wrestling got started. And, of course, them leaving to form their own company pissed New Japan Pro Wrestling off uh which is kind of hilarious because they were founded because uh their founder um Antonio Inoki got pissed off with whatever the pre New Japan company was and decided I'm going to make my own company as did the other major star in the previous co- like that's how all Japan pro wrestling and New I Japan thought, pro wrestling got started two I of the top stars of another
0: company got pissed off just uh and rightfully highly offended at the portrayal and character of Yokozuna.
1: No, that would be in 1990. This was 1972. Okay. So that would be impressive, because they would have gone forward in time.
0: I mean... Yeah. I mean, you're you're still can, not wrong, but it's just the timeline's bad. I can go forward in time anytime I want. I have that power. I'm doing so it
1: So my right point now. is, AEW was the upstart company created by former New Japan members, so New Japan kind of thought, well, this is stupid, and just focused on their working relationship with other companies. Mm-hmm. And but they also New Japan liked to sometimes have Chris Jericho show up and do matches, even though he was now with AEW. <laughs> and this led to a comment from Hiroshi Tanahashi, uh, New Japan's John Cena, for lack of a better comparison. Um, he like he he kind of made he kind of made a joke. It's like. Oh, I'm fighting Chris Jericho, who's currently the AEW world champion, but it's not for the title. If I beat him in this match, maybe I'll get to face him on AEW programming and open the forbidden door. Hmm. Cause like they were they weren't really trying to acknowledge AEW, but they wanted to have Chris Jericho, but Chris Jericho was also playing a different character. He was like he was still Chris Jericho, but he was like the pain maker, Chris Jericho, as opposed to the character he was playing on AEW TV. I, so that's how this all kind of. I am. That's so where the glad name you're Forbidden Door comes. Bringing
0: it up because I wanted to ask you, and I I wasn't going to bring it on the podcast, but I'm glad you said so. I was <laughs> definitely going to show up at your house on Sunday, and ask, why is the door forbidden? What door? Like yeah. what? What is this? So thank you. Because it's it it's a
1: company created by upstarts, and so initially they were like, eh, and then Tanahashi. This is it's relevant. I'm also bringing up Tanahashi because. Hey, guess who's in the main event, challenging for the AEW World Title at this pay-per-view? Hiroshi uh, Tanahashi. But on AEW side? No, he's on the New Japan side. Oh, Okay, sorry, I
0: misunderstood. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, let, I... let me let me go through the card here, and I'll start with the world title match because, yeah, like first, I said,
0: because Haru- that's like a whole thing uninterrupted, and I I do want to say a thing. I am very surprised. I don't know much about, I mean, wrestling in general, but I didn't know all of these, like, English-speaking people. I thought Japan Pro Wrestling was, like, very Japanese. Like, I didn't know how multicultural it was.
1: (laughs) Chris, let me blow your mind. The current uh, champion in New Japan, like, the heavyweight champion...
0: Is from New Zealand. Yeah, I didn't real. I thought it was more of a localized thing. That is surprising <laughs> his, to me because uh, his, I just don't know. His name is about literally the- Jay White. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Anyway, uh, no, 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 do go through the title. Um,
1: I'll, I'll I'll try to I'll try to make sure to leave some pauses so you can ask questions because you know. Um, anyway, so I was going to mention yeah, so. Unfortunately, this, this pay per view is also a bit cursed, as a few people who were supposed to appear can't. I'll mention it as we go. The first one, though, is originally uh, CM Punk, who is still technically the AEW world champion, was supposed to take on Tanahashi mm-hmm. in what's kind of a dream match. And then CM Punk broke his foot, or something like that.
0: Kind of puts a damper on the whole thing. <laughs>
1: So they decided not to have him vacate the title and instead have an interim title with the idea being when Punk comes back they'll have a title for title unification thing. Which okay. Usually, usually when they get injured it's a vacation but in obviously not that kind of vacation.
0: No. Uh,
1: no. But like in this case because it's probably only going to be two or three months I think. Like he might be back in time for August which is when their next big pay-per-view after this one is.
0: I mean, a broken foot is kind of nasty, but honestly, just a broken bone. Yeah. I mean, a, a fracture anyway. If you get a shatter, that's a whole different story. But a fracture, if it's set properly, it's not going to be years like... Eh. No. Well, like, if they usually have them vacated if it's
1: going to be, like, 90-plus days. That's usually kind of the rule. Um, Sometimes, unless they have a... They've, have a commitment to having a match and they can't do it suddenly because the champion's not there or something like that. It's a whole thing. Um, but yeah, that was the basic there. So instead, John Moxley won a competition on the AEW side to qualify for this match. Uh, John Moxley, formerly known in, as Dean Ambrose in WWE, former AEW champion himself. He was their second champion. Very accomplished dude. Um... So he's going to take on Tanahashi in one of the main events, probably the main event, since it's for the interim title. And they've never had a singles match together. They've only had a, they were in a um, fatal four-way for the, oh, I sh- oh sorry, <laughs> Slight aside. All the New Japan titles don't use, like, New Japan Pro Wrestling title. They use IWGP, which is International Wrestling Grand Prix which is some terminology that they like came it. up with back... It came back up in 1972. It's why, like, they also have something something like the G1, which is the Grand Prix 1. It's, it's a common thing. But that's why it's IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. And in this case, uh, Tanahashi, Moxley, and two other guys fought for the uh, New Japan uh, I, IWGP United States Championship, which, of course, was introduced primarily to be held by... Uh, no, non-Japanese wrestlers. Although Japanese wrestlers have also challenged for it and held it. <laughs> uh, I mean, the first guy who won it was Canadian. <laughs> it's one of those things. Hey, you're not Japanese. Here, you have this title. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's, that's the main event, is we're going to get a dream match between these two guys, one-on-one, finally. Uh, the other world title is Jay White, who I mentioned. The supposed leader of the leaderless bullet club it's one of those things <laughs> he's like we have no leader but i'm in charge
0: <laughs> <Neat>.
1: <laughs> he's defending against the former world heavyweight champion uh kazuchika ok- okada if tanahashi's john cena okada's probably randy orton
0: he's like he's i'm less familiar with randy orton
1: well, Randy Orton's also one of, like, the main... Or maybe maybe the Brock Lesnar. Like, he's one of the more also very important guys in the company. Like, okay. Tanahashi was a guy they pinned their hopes and dreams to in, like, 2003, 2004. two thousand are
0: running out of comparisons that I recognize. Yeah. So, that's carry fair. on.
1: I, yeah, because it's like... I can't use Hulk Hogan because that's a whole other comparison. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, yeah, he... Like, he probably rose to prominence, um... I think he really got his start in 2011, 2012. So he's kind of the new generation, because he's only 35. Tanahashi's over 40 now, I believe. But Tanahashi can still go like the best of them. Like, yeah, Tanahashi's 45, and Okada's maybe 34.
0: So I, there's an age... I gotta say, and by no means mm-hmm. am I a trained athlete or trained fighter, but I am not yet 40. Mm -hmm. And there are, are, I can think of easily off the top of my head, men and women, 60 plus and even 70 plus, the boy I would never want to get in a fight with. So, understandable that, uh, I mean, if they're 40 plus, that's like 80 plus for regular people when you're in that kind of sport. But still... If they can keep going if if they've got it physically, once you add the experience to that, now I'm scared. <laughs> yeah. Um I was just gonna
1: mention, yeah, so Kesichika a very good wrestler, he does one of the best drop kicks in the business, just to give you some idea of what nice. he's good at. Uh, also in the match is Hangman Adam Page. I've talked about him before. He was the AEW World Champion. He lost the title to CM Punk, and now he's trying to desperately rec- reclaim his glory because you know he's feeling insecure again.
0: But he can't because this is just a temporary victory.
1: Well, no, though this is for the this is for the New Japan title. So this is a whole new title oh, he okay. never held before. And but he doesn't have to face off against the guy he fought before and lost against uh, Jay White. Back when they were in New Japan together, he never beat him. Hmm. And also in the match is Adam Cole, uh, one of Hangman's old friends who has been a constant thorn in his side since he became champion. Even though he's managed to beat Adam Cole to retain the title twice, Adam Cole is still there, constantly messing with his head. So it's a yeah, it's a big four way match, and it'll be interesting. Like Jay White's probably winning that. Like John Moxley's probably beaten Tanahashi too because it would be weird for have Tanahashi be the AEW champion, but you know it's still there's still some intrigue there, and they should be good matches regardless. Uh, the th- the next match is for a brand new title AEW introduced specifically to have represented in other companies besides their own. It's the All Atlantic Championship. Now, the annoying thing about the name is, they say Atlantic, implying Atlantic Ocean. And Japan isn't in the Atlantic Ocean. (laughs) Just gonna throw that out there. (laughs) Other than that, pretty solid name, and I like the concept because it gives it clear rules outside of why is it a title that's not the world title. That's the problem wrestling companies can have with subtitles but it's like the idea is it might be defended at a new japan show or if they take it to mexico it might be defended at a triple a show something like that the wrestling company not the car company <laughs> Chris and I have talked a lot about triple a lately off off podcast so I have to throw that in there yeah um there's also yeah but it's going to be another four way match well, it's going to feature no,
0: oh and i'm not going to correct you but it's not that one yeah anyway <laughs>
1: It's this is a, this is a another four way matchup. Uh, this one is going to f- and like I said, it's the inaugural champion. So any one of these guys could probably win. There's British wrestler the bastard Puck. That's like he's literally known as the bastard. Uh, very intense, very flippy, very good at like hitting hard. Like he's a very good wrestler. Uh, Miro, who is built like a truck, and he's Bulgarian. Okay, hey, he's gonna uh, win. Well, he's also facing up against Malachi Black, who is a Dutch wrestler who I think is like six foot six, and uh, can somehow still hit beautiful roundhouse kicks on you despite that size. No, nah, Bulgaria is going to win. And it, I mean, any one of these guys winning? Okay, well, maybe not this last guy. Uh, I, was, I was mentioning this show was cursed, man. So <laughs> originally, the fourth guy was supposed to be. The Japanese Stone pit bulled, uh Toma. Oh, frick! I forget how to pronounce his first name now. Ishii. The, it doesn't matter because unfortunately he is not in the match. He somehow got injured, oh. so his replacement is a. Um, I believe he's an American. Yep. Uh Clark Connors. Nah. Who's still trying to establish himself. So I don't know much about him. I know he's a pretty good wrestler in his own right, but he was still relatively new to New Japan. So nah, Bulgarian dude's gonna win. I wouldn't I wouldn't hate that. I could I could see any of them winning except probably Clark Connors. I would well, hate if Clark Connors wins it now.
0: <laughs> well, um I mean all of it is scripted, of course we know. But yeah. the new guy winning is like too scripted, like it it's like we like to pretend. And so I I don't want the forced narrative of the new guy. Mm. Does that make sense?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean that would just be like, the only reason I can see them do it is they wanted Ishii to win. Tomohiro Ishii, I think is how his name is pronounced. Uh, because he's a, he's, a, he's a really good wrestler, and they might have wanted it, to give it to him as like a reward for being such a good wrestler, but now, if
0: they can't give it to him, what do they do? I'm sure there was a lot of pivoting. Well, okay, okay, um, maybe you do give it to the new guy, and you make it a really lucky win rather than a skilled win, which is some bullshit. And then Ishii just wins it off him or something. But, yeah, yeah, you you give it to a guy that won only from luck, not skill, uh, so you have an easy guy for Ishii to take down. That might be it. It might be a a long...
1: That would would be a bit of a damp fart, though, on the pay-per-view, so hopefully that doesn't happen. Uh, What hopefully won't be a damp fart is the next match, which is a trios tag team match featuring les sex gods uh les sex gods being a tag team consisting of chris jericho and his apprentice sammy guevara and we're on our third match right uh this is actually our fourth oh okay because we got the world title for AEW, world title for new japan the all atlantic title inaugural championship and now we're on a trio tag team match okay yeah so Jericho is teaming up with his. And what title is this for? This is not for a title. This is just a six-man match. Okay. And they're teaming up with Minoru Suzuki. I think I've mentioned him once or twice. He is a 54-year-old man who will kick the shit out of you because that is what he. Well, he's ex MMA, and he looks it. He lost a hair versus hair match so he had to shave his head and then he shaved intricate designs into his buzz cut nice he is the inspiration for uh the king character from tekken okay he, like this guy is <laughs> he's terrifying <laughs> he's take and he's taking on new yorker every man eddie kingston who despite having a prominent beer gut and looking like he should be drunk in a gutter can kick the shit out of you. Uh, and he's team and he's and Eddie Kingston has on his team, a uh, young, uh, up and comer, uh, Wheeler Yuta, who recently proved himself by getting through a bunch of slug fests where he was bleeding profusely. I like would like to Wheeler say, but by, by
0: the way, uh, you mentioned the beer gut, but he can still kick your ass. I realize Mm -hmm. that this is so much more than just simple strength. Actually, (laughs) simple strength doesn't really factor into this. Yeah. But as far as dismissing guys with a beer gut, you find me any strongest man in the world competition from any year with washboard abs. Nah. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Well, no,
1: he he even says the reason he kind of looks the way he does is, like, he still goes to the gym probably about as much as most of the other guys do, but he also eats more fast food than most of them. Yeah. So, which, I mean, yeah, fair enough. I mean, you eat what you like and just, yeah. I mean, he's a really good wrestler. I mean, not every wrestler is going to be a body type, which is, you know, like the clean-cut abs.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, fast food isn't great for you. But if... If you burn off more than you intake, doesn't really matter what you eat. It, it, yeah. If you burn off more than you intake, then you're going to lose weight. So, anyway.
1: I just want to quickly on. pug his other tag team partner, because I mentioned Wheeler Yuta, but Shota, Shota Umino, who I highly recommend you YouTube him and John Moxley together, because... Is that the one that when, you sent Jamie? That uh, I watched the one her? where... No, I don't think so. It's the okay. one where John Moxley dragged out a guy who was half unconscious and cut a promo. As the guy kept passing out next to him.
0: Have not you seen should've... that. You okay. should link okay. me later.
1: I, I, no... I swear, I've sent it to you at some point. I'll send it to you again after the podcast before you fall asleep. You... It's ninety seconds. I long. mean, I'm falling asleep right now.
0: I'll look tomorrow.
1: Yeah, fair. But it's it's just really funny because John Moxley needed a tag team partner when he was in New Japan. Uh, more extensively, so he recruited this uh, raw recruit, Shota Umino, and just kicked the shit out of him, and was like, I like this kid. He's gonna be my tag team partner. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and basically adopted him. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, I can't do it justice, but yeah, those, so Jericho Guevara and Minoru Suzuki versus Eddie Kingston and two young men who are probably gonna get the shit kicked out of them. That's what makes Uh, it fun. That's why we're here. Yep. Uh, Next up is another title match. This is for the New Japan United States Championship. Uh, Current United States Champion Will Ospreay, who is from England, and I think is on permanent residency in Japan. Uh, He's fantastic. He's just a great British douchebag, and he's got a decent amount of muscle, but used to be more of a flippy guy, so he can still do some I pretty I like cool, the flippy good. guys. Oh, well, the guy he's taken on is pretty fantastic. He's taking on Orange Cassidy. Uh, cool. Orange Cassidy is the king of sloth style. It's where he acts lazy, and like he doesn't care, but then right when he, he's lured into a false sense of security, he'll suddenly bust out some incredible agility moves like he'll he'll wrestle with his hands in his pockets and then all of a sudden dive to the outside
0: and knock you on your ass. I was gonna I was gonna compare that to um Ali's rope-a-dope. But then when his surprise move is agility and Ali's surprise move is resilience, the comparison falls apart. So
1: no, yeah, it's really not the same thing.
0: <laughs> no, I thought that's kind of what you were getting at and I was going to call you mm-hmm. out on saying the originator, but never mind. No. I'm no. admitting I was he... wrong before you get to tell me. I win.
1: Like like this is the thing. He's uh he he, he learned a lot of like lucha style wrestling but then created a character who's like California slacker, doesn't care, walks around in
0: like bleached and then he jeans, jumps out with yeah. the luchador stuff. I yeah, like exactly. by the way is there a a big uh like luchador televised like have they really pushed that or is that really local to Hispanic That audiences? is
1: a very complicated question Chris unfortunately. I
0: well they've had some characters that do luchador but is yeah. there is there a franchise in the company interacting with the others that yeah. does the Luchador stuff?
1: Yeah, the two big ones in Japan or AAA, uh, which I can't remember what it stands for. And then and then there's CMLL, which is Conciana Mexicana Lucha Libre. Uh, okay. CMLL is kind of considered a joke these days, but they oh. have Lucha Libre in their name. And there's incredibly bad blood between the two companies. Fair enough. That's that's about as much as I can get into right now. But AAA in particular, they do have some pay per views and such. Sometimes on fight TV, and they sometimes have talent exchanges, especially with New okay. Japan and um, uh, uh, AEW. Okay. So, like but... Kenny Omega was uh, AAA champion for a while.
0: Okay. You I realize questions? I am – well, no, I'm – it's not a question. It's a comment. I am the one at fault here, <laughs> but we are at time, so I will mm-hmm. do my best to shut the fuck up and let you finish with your uh, your lineup. Oh, sorry. Four, ma- four matches left. I'll okay. go through them as
1: quick as I can. So we Don't have, hurry. Uh, the... I'll just get out of your yeah. way. Okay. So we've got the New Japan Tag Team Championship on the line in a triple threat. Uh as well as the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championship. Uh Ring of Honor was a American company that still kind of exists, but it's it's complicated. But they're but they can use their titles on AEW shows right now. So the the tag team titles from that company and the tag team titles from New Japan are in a winner takes all match between the Ring of Honor champions, FTR, which stands for whatever the fuck you want the initials to stand for, honestly. <laughs> Like, they've said what FTR stands for, like, five different times, and each time was different. Fuck the rules. That was, I think, one of them.
0: Like, more of... The, more, at least once, it was fuck I'm, the something. I'm not trying to interrupt, but I do still have to ask questions when they occur. Um, mm-hmm. What is actually at stake on these ones? Well,
1: this this particular match is the... New Japan Tag Team Titles, and the Ring of Honor Titles.
0: Okay, so you said all or nothing. I just wondered what the all was. Yeah,
1: yeah. But, well, because two of the three teams in here have Tag Team Titles, okay. and the winner is going to get both sets of them. FTR have the Ring of Honor Titles. Uh, FTR are classic, old-school wrestlers who tend to not do top-rope flip moves. They tend to be more very grappler, technical wrestlers. Like They're very Bret Hart, which is like, they've said Bret Hart is one of their favorite wrestlers, and they try to emulate him a lot, and they do a very good job. They do some fantastic storytelling, despite not being flippy guys. Um, they're taking Fucking on... Fucking
0: ridiculous tools.
1: Yeah. They're taking on Will Ospreay's um, cronies. Will Ospreay has a fan called the United Empire, okay. and because uh, he's British, you see. <laughs> and, man, this is a team. He's got Jeff Cobb, who is a former Olympian... I forget where the hell he's from. I think he's Filipino. Um, No, he's Hawaiian. And he is basically a big, bulky guy. And his tag team partner is the Great Okan, who is a Japanese wrestler who is emulating both Mongolian conquerors and, for some reason, Chinese vampires. I I don't entirely know why. I don't I know think why he thinks I can't he's an insert, immortal
0: conqueror. But I do have to say, having seen a few uh, between mostly Japanese, but some Chinese, I do really like the Asian vampire as a concept. Mm, the Hobby vampire. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's what his costume when he comes to the ring
1: is. And then he's got a very, like, classic conquering Mongolian style beard. Hmm. And, like, I think one of his main. He, He's got a lot of like Mongolian inspired moves in his moveset but he's like it's it's weird. But they're the New Japan Champions and the other tag team is Roppongi Vice which um are two n- Americans, uh Trent Beretta and Rocky Romero who have both made a name for themselves being like Americans in Japan. Okay. So they like they were back in, like, 2012, I want to say, is when they kind of helped people learn more stuff about getting around in Japan if you wanted to come to Japan and see New Japan shows. Like, they've done a series of YouTube videos yeah, just helping you...
0: That, that's the part of it I was unaware of, which is why I was confused earlier to find out there's Americans yeah. in New Japan wrestling. I thought it was very yeah, like- much local. It Big, sure, but... There's mm. a lot of things big mm-hmm. in Japan that just never get here. I didn't think there was as much crossover.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, third last match, it's a women's title match, the AEW women's title. Okay. Uh, this is the only one that doesn't feature anybody from AEW, or sorry, from New Japan, because New Japan is a male-only company. Mm. There's a female wrestling company they sometimes do events with, but that is a separate company. Don't
0: like it. But that's a whole other thing uh, we don't yeah. need to get into.
1: And Japanese female wrestling, even though it's female only, is actually very good. Like they they probably have some of the best wrestlers in the Almost world. Almost anyway.
0: like women are equally as capable and talented as men are. Mm-hmm. Weird. Oh, the, anyway. gen- the gender politics in wrestling are long and complicated. Yep. M- much like the real world. Like, like I said, don't like it, not going to solve it in this podcast. Moving on.
1: But uh, it's going to be Thunder Rosa, a Mexican-American wrestler who is the current AEW champion, defending against Tony Storm, a very young... I think she's Australian, uh, who kind of... Uh, new Zealand. New, new Zealand-Australian. Like, she's, I think, only 20... Yeah, she's 25, 26. So, but she's really good for being relatively new to the wrestling scene. And so this should be a good match to have, like, the more experienced Thunder Rosa. Thunder Rosa's like 36th or something, uh, taking on the younger Tony Storm and like a nice showcase for both of them. Um, and Yeah, we got a four-on-four, no-titles-involved match between two members of the current Bullet Club, uh, El Phantasmo, who he is a Canadian masked wrestler who wrestles a lucha style, hence why his name is El Fantasmo nice uh and also he's also going
0: to win by the way
1: <laughs> and one of his partners is a tongan wrestler named Hikunio Ooh,
0: never mind Nope, the tongan guy wins
1: well no it's a tag team match it's 4 on 4
0: oh i see they're on the they're on the same team oh canada and tonga together are absolutely winning and they're teaming up with the
1: young bucks who remember i said left new japan in 2019 so them being on a new japan pay-per-view together is uh Pretty big news. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and they're teaming up with the Bullet Club, the group they technically got kicked out of. (laughs) Uh, And man, the first name I'm going to say on the other team is going to sound familiar. Uh, They're teaming up to fight Sting. Yes, the Sting who is currently 63 years old. Somehow he can still wrestle. I've seen it multiple times now. I still don't fully understand. Chris, I love... two pay-per-views ago, he went through four
0: tables at the same time. That's... Which one is this? This is like six? What? Like match six?
1: Oh, no, this is the ninth of the ten matches I'm counting off here.
0: Oh, there's ten total. Man, yep. I gotta stick around to that. I love. Well, sting. that's not going to be the main event, so you I, should be fine. I, I especially love his work with the police. Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I love that guy pretending... has to
1: pay this sting money every time he uses that name. By the way,
0: yeah, the wrestler Sting was first, wasn't he? Yeah,
1: he owns the rights to that as a performer. Yep.
0: And I remember you, you call the one with the police Gordon Sumner, <laughs> which is also kind of a cool name. <laughs> But compared to his, is he still doing the goth look? Because I remember oh, yeah. when he was like the bleach blonde, um, scorpion pants uh, guy. <laughs> the like, what an image change! <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, he's
1: still around. He's still doing exactly what he's doing. It's um, it's wild. Like the only difference I is he wears a shirt me- now because his his. You know, his body well, probably doesn't look as impressive. He's so.
0: probably got, like, B cups, at least. <laughs> yeah.
1: But he can still go. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sting's team is called the Dudes with Attitude, which is a reference to his 1990 team of him and Lex Luger. <laughs> but uh, no, Lex Luger's not on the team. He's teaming up with his Darby Allen, who's been his um, sort of apprentice in uh, AEW. Uh, Darby Allen being kind of a goth skater kid. Mhm. So I mean, you know, that kind of fits cuz Sting's kind of got the goth look. It's like, "Oh, you got face paint? I also have face paint. I'm your father now." That's essentially what seemed to happen. Yeah. Uh and they're also teaming up with two members of Los Ingobernables de Japon, mm-hmm. who are Japanese wrestlers who who took on a Mexican style of give no fucks, chill out and relax attitude.
0: Nice. I'm Namely
1: uh, Shingo Tata- Takagi who who looks like a fucking samurai warlord and is incredible, and if you wanted a flippy boy, Hiromu Takahashi, who looks like the flamboyant son of a samurai warlord (laughs) and is, like, an incredible flippy boy.
0: I I love the flippy boys.
1: Oh yeah, no that th- this this will probably be a match for you cuz the young bucks are also very flippy boys. So you get a nice mix of flippy boys and just like beef tank. It's going to be great. And so the last got one your again Rogues
0: versus your barbarians. It's great. I love but, it.
1: And the last match sadly um it was supposed to be Brian Danielson, one of the best wrestlers in the world, taking on Zack Sabre Jr. One of the best submission technical wrestlers in the world in a who can be better at putting on submission holds for like 10 minutes. But is... sadly, Brian Danielson also got injured.
0: <laughs> Sorry. I'm trying desperately not to interrupt, but things are coming up. What's the second guy you said? Zack Saber Jr. Is there a Zack Saber senior? That he is actually legitimately related to. Um, not that I'm aware of. I'm not sure where the
1: junior came from. Bullshit title, hate it. Move on. Well, I think it's partially just so they he, he could have the initials ZSJ, and which he has emblazoned on his jacket and everything.
0: This is like when they I- tried to re- tried to pretend. I can't even remember his name tried to pretend Andre the Giant's son oh, yeah, yeah, a wrestler. Like, well, in this
1: case, he's that... not basing it on a real person. That's but, yeah. some
0: bullshit. Anyway.
1: But my point is, he's now going to fight a mystery opponent, and they've teased like 12 different people, so I can't even speculate on who it is. Vern I just really Troyer. hope it's good, because Zack Sabre Jr. is a fantastic wrestler. He's a guy who really should be a, ch- a world champion someday. Like, the fact that he's not been yet almost feels like a crime. And now it's like, oh, he was supposed to have a match against, like, one of the other best wrestlers in the world, and
0: now they can't do it because injuries. You know, you know who his opponent should be? Zack Sabre Sr.? You know who should play Zack Sabre Sr.? Hmm. I can't remember his name, but the WWE dwarf that lives under the ring. That Hornswoggle, be,
1: god damn it.
0: He should be the senior. <laughs> Hornswoggle yeah. should be the senior. I would love it.
1: Chris, why are you putting that evil in the world?
0: Because <laughs> I'm, I'm here to produce chaos. Please yeah. carry on.
1: But that is the card as it stands. I think I skipped over the pre-show match, but we don't need to get into that. Um, You may not even be here for that in time, honestly. But yeah, that's what we're looking at. Unfortunately, it's there's a lot of people that wait, have to wait. miss this
0: match. Sorry, I wasn't counting. Mm-hmm. So that's the title match that we don't. No, actually no, know it's the it's just the
1: order of announced matches. The final match is probably going to be the first one we talked about.
0: Oh, okay. Moxley
1: versus Tanahashi. That's probably going to be oh, the main okay. event. Sorry, I probably misunderstood. That or I the thought Jay White these were all in order. No, no, no. This is just an order they were announced. I want. It's only when the pay per view starts happening senior. that they put it in proper order. Okay, fair Sorry? enough.
0: I yeah. I want... I already forgot the name. I want Hornswoggle to be the senior. That would be an amazing twist. It's like, surprise bitches, I'm now in this franchise.
1: I just really want... New Is Japan still has active? A comedy, New Japan has a comedy wrestler named Toru Yano who seems more interested in tricking people into buying his DVDs than actually having wrestling matches. I want them to meet their Saturday AEW Saturday Morning supervillain, Villain, um, Danhausen, who basically insists he's six foot seven, but is actually like five eight.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it.
1: Yeah, I want those two comedy characters to meet. That's what I Who's want to see. Who's your happen.
0: favorite comedy wrestler
1: at the moment or of all time? Eh, let's get both and then let's end. Well, at the moment, it's probably still Danhausen, um, but. One of my favorites is still probably R-Truth, who's still active, R-Truth in WWE, just because he
0: made Brock Lesnar break character once. It was pretty amazing to watch. I love, it just, it doesn't matter what the narrative is, (laughs) I love watching people break character. It's just, it's so satisfying to me. It's like, especially with professionals, like... (laughs) One of my favorites, and I swear I won't make this a huge tangent, but in a Monty Python live uh, dead parrot, that breakdown where John Cleese, he tries to do his line, and he just busts up because of how ridiculous it is. I love watching professional comedians break character, and that is- it's it's just that's comedy gold is professional funny people busting up because they can't help it. <laughs> anyway, closing thoughts on this episode, on this pay-per-view, on life in general, it, you know, if, if this is the end of it. <laughs> well,
1: this better not be the end of life as we know it because I've still got plenty more to do.
0: And we have a pay-per-view to watch. Yeah, exactly. It's just You haven't Thursday. tried my chili yet. Should I be worried?
1: No, it's just, it's... The joke is, it's Famous Pete's Famous Chili, because I make it usually for a lot of people I have over, because it's one of my... It's an easy m- meal to make for a lot of people. Do you have a slow cooker? Because slow cooker chili No, this is, isn't
0: slow cooked. This is honestly uh, two the hours best of prep work. Slow cooked chili is both the best and the easiest. It's it's pretty magical. It's so easy. You just chuck all the stuff in there and turn it on and walk away for 8 hours. But with the minimal effort, the best product comes out.
1: But yeah, trust me, uh you'll, you'll you'll like it, I think. Unless I fuck
0: it up. <laughs> I'm sure I will. Just make it spicy. We both love spicy. Anyway. Oh, that'll be easy enough. Um I think that's it. We did yep. uh 122. It's it's funny because I'm listening back to the old podcasts, and we usually call it at like two, two and a half, uh, sometimes like 340. Oh, God. And, and with my – like, like, well, we're almost at four hours, so we should probably call it, and we haven't surpassed four hours because I did call it because I just didn't want to pass that. It's laughable now when I hear that because I'm listening back I just listened to 201 and hearing the ridiculous times we call it at when now we try to call it at an hour which it makes so much more sense yeah anyway I am all over the place tired Uh and at this point I've been drinking some beers fairly drunk I'm gonna go to bed Yay! Flailing <laughs> arms. Yes. Wait, are you doing the muppeting before I am? No, oh, no, you were definitely muppeting a couple points here. Oh, I, I am right now. Like I said, yep. I'm drunk and tired. Yay! Thank you. Yeah. And goodbye, and good night. Three, two. Stick, trash bag, shatterproof glass, tailpipe, tread-like, grease and chrome. Front bumper, universal bearing, aerial brake shoe, shock absorber. Hardball. Let's put meme references into our Star Wars. That'll be fun. Hello there.